I'm Whitney. I'm Mindy. And I'm Deb. We're three best friends who love nerdy things. Well, some people think we're nerdy, but we think we're pretty awesome. This is our nerdiest thing. This season, we are discussing Jennifer L. Armentrout's From Blood and Ash, all of the books in that series, plus the Flesh and Fire series as well. We are spoiler friendly, so listen at your own risk. Hello, fellow nerds, and welcome to our nerdiest thing. Today, we are discussing From Blood and Ash chapters 24 and 25. But before we get into it, Deb, will you please tell us about our nerdiest cocktail? Why am I surprised every week that this is happening? Every <laughs> week, I like scramble to like pick up my phone. And for real, like 30 seconds ago, I picked up my phone, got into the recipe. Said, Let me make sure I get the cocktail. <laughs> and then I was like, wait, I don't know what's happening. Well, you got distracted by Mount Vernon. Well, that's true. We're not talking about that on this episode. <laughs> you guys can learn all about it on our interview with Elizabeth Kirk. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. So this week's cocktail, sponsored by Make and Metal, our favorite people ever, is called I Don't Even Know How to Ride a Horse. Aww. Aww. Poppy. Poor Poppy. <laughs> It does make me laugh a little bit. Though. It does. So you can use gin or vodka. We're using vodka in ours. And we're having the Make and Muddle Strawberry Basil Solution, which is top notch for spring or summer. It's delicious. It is really good. Fresh squirt of lime juice. <laughs> you can't say squirt. <laughs> That's what it says. How about a splash? <laughs> how, how about a dribble? How about, how about, how about a, a little bead of it on the tip? <laughs> a little bead on the tip. <laughs> Um, I'm Boo. so sorry to our sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> you top you top that little bead of uh, fresh lime juice with Prosecco or some other dry bubbles. But seriously, it is so freaking it is good. Really good. Delicious. Yeah. Really, really good. Um, you put everything in a shaker except for the Prosecco. Don't do that because it will explode. <laughs> <on you. laughs> Pour that in a little glass. Put some dry bubbles on top and then you're like... <laughs> Get it right off the top. That's not what I sound like. <laughs> that sounds like that sounds like Nesta under the dining room. Table. <laughs> yes, it does. Uh, there was some really good art posted of that this week. Mm, I know. I saw. Yeah. I'll, I'll post it in it the sure show notes. Oh man. Yeah. Carry on. My way. I also can't ride a horse, so I'm kind of uh, like Poppy. Poor Whitney. You remember we, when I yes, got thrown? Oh, I remember. <laughs> We went on a girls' trip. Actually, the girls' trip where we decided we were actually going to do this That's podcast. True, yeah. Oh yeah, and um, memories. Whitney was nervous about going horseback riding, and, and we then told she got her the it would bitchiest okay. horse ever. And there was this kid, and I can say kid because he was like a twelve running. He was things. sixteen. Yeah, he was not sixteen. He said he was sixteen. His, his <laughs> voice had not changed yet, and he decided to give Whitney the. Fin- like the worst horse. It was awful. She was a bitch. And the horse awful. got spooked. And poor Whitney, I'm not laughing about it, but in retrospect, I can't. We now. can laugh now. Watching yeah. you fall off, it was like <laughs> slow motion. Because when you say you were threw off a horse, yes, you did fall off, but like you just started tipping to the side really slowly. <laughs> Stir up and it's dragging you behind, and I felt so bad. It was terrifying when it happened. It was so sure. scary when it happened, but now I'm like watching it in my mind, and I'm like, that is really fucking funny. It's funny because I didn't actually get hurt. I know, right? I was like, so, it's, it sure. was so scary. I'm not no. gonna lie, it was terrifying. And then he brought his little golf cart out, and he wanted you to sign a like. I won't sue you. Yeah. I won't sue but you. Wait, he hadn't filled it out. He didn't know yeah. how to fill it out. And I was like, Whitney, don't sign. 
behind that piece of paper. Did he like, not even it? know where it was? Oh, he right. couldn't yeah. find it. Yeah, no, he couldn't find it. That's because he wasn't old enough to read. <laughs> oh my gosh. It was so. You know what I could have used was a, a Castile. I know. To like right? ride with me and be like, it's okay, ma'am. Come on, you know. Uh, Castile doesn't call anyone ma'am. <laughs> and she doesn't I think talk you, like a cowboy. Were you either. riding with Blake Shelton? What's wrong with you? <laughs> I know. Exactly. Do not, do not put oh, that in my mind's eye for Castile. Hello, ma'am. <laughs> Hey there. What, what does she say on um, New Girl? Hey there, Mama. <laughs> yeah, she does. It's okay, oh, Mama. Oh man. Well, so that was fun. That was, that fun. was a fun ride down memory lane. Oh, down poor memory Whitney. Lane. Um, we will get you back on a horse someday. We're gonna stay on a straight so. line, and we're gonna tell him you need like the pony. She no. was a big ass horse. Yeah. Was, was she the one that kept eating or was it yes. Debs? No, it was no. Hers. Well, it, she didn't keep eating. She oh, no. just kept going, walking into the bush. She kept smacking <laughs> you. With, <laughs> yeah, she, <laughs> she would smack for me. Like, was the there leaves. a branch that might hit this girl on the head? Sure. That's yeah, what it was. She, it was, really she was like, was. oh, do you like that branch? Do yeah, you like it? it was really do you terrible. Like it? Oh, do you like the ditch? But <laughs> anyway, let's... Uh, We're going to call her ditch bitch. That is accurate. It is. Well, Mindy, you spun the wheel of names. Someone's going to do the recap. I really hope it's me. It actually is. It is me. I have oh, to say, good. I feel like the Whitney of this season. Because remember last season, you never. I know. Got, and now I feel like I never get it. Yeah, it's like um, somehow the wheel knows. I feel like Minnie right? took her name off the wheel. Is what she I, <laughs> I told you guys a long time ago. I do ago think I might like have put an it. extra one or two Whitneys on there. Cause well, I mean, you might as well because <laughs> I never, re- I never used to get picked. So, all right, so I'm probably still gonna suck at this, but away we go okay Hawk and Bobby <laughs> are in the garden and he's like let's go to this willow and she says okay so they go and he has her sit on his lap and they make out and it is hot and she is enjoying the moment and he feels conflicted but he's super into kissing her and so then they get up and run into Victor and that's super awkward and they go um well Hawk just pieces out and then um something horrible is happening inside and they go into the great right and find that the duke is hanging there <laughs> i left out a lot and yet and yet i didn't you're right that was a good recap yeah you did a wonderful job i'm super proud of you thank you <laughs> so before we get into the specifics of <laughs> so i was gonna say this I'm really sorry. I, I, now I want to know. I was just going to say the specifics of the specifics. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. The specifics of Hawk's dick. Oh, oh Mindy. Escalated. It, it curves to the Is right. that your uh, nerdiest vocabulary today? Hawk's dick. That's what's, how you say what's it. it say in ur- <laughs> what's it say in Urban Dictionary? About Hawk's dick. Yeah. I bet it says something. I don't have any Urban Dictionary this week, Boo. unfortunately. I know. There wasn't a whole lot to choose from, actually. Yeah. But uh, the word... There's a word that came up that is one that is very prevalent, and it's harbinger. Oh, <laughs> you were it <laughs> was it's not hawk's dick. I thought it was going to be like you know something a little more sen- saucy, sensual. Yeah, than no. the harbinger. <laughs> it's the word the. It's an article. Well, no, because you know they think she's the harbinger of death. Yeah, and it's it's part of the prophecy and everything that kind of comes out at the end. Um. And I actually thought it was harbinger, but it's harbinger. Harbinger. Got a harbinger <laughs> in my pants. Tell me the way you thought it was again. Harbinger. I thought it was harbinger too. 
Harbinger yeah. instead of harbinger. harbinger. <laughs> okay. Like it's actually, I was like, I don't think I heard the har- difference. Bun harbinger. Okay. Harbinger. Okay. You know, JLA really likes this word because she has a book called The Harbinger too. Oh, and it's like the whole series. The series is called The Harbinger Yeah, I think series. it's like yeah. her word of the day toilet paper. Yeah. Well, here's what I found different about it because I always thought it meant something bad. And Whitney's laughing at me. No, She's I'm laughing, laughing at her. <laughs> she said a word of the day, toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's an episode of Friends and I just thought about oh, okay. it. Okay. So, <laughs> Jaunty. I thought it was something bad too, actually. I always thought it meant it was something bad, like a yeah. bad omen or whatever. But Merriam-Webster says it's one that initiates a major change meaning a person, a person or thing that originates or helps open up a new activity, method, or technology, a pioneer. Or it means something that foreshadows a future event, something that gives an anticipatory sign of what is to come, like an omen or a sign, which in my mind, that always goes to bad. But yeah, the word omen is a negative word. Right. But it doesn't necessarily have to be because have you ever heard like the birds are a harbinger of spring? No, because that sounds like they're going to kill me. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like the Ravens movie. The Hitchcock uh, movie. I mean, I guess. I don't know. Is that from a Hitchcockian film? Because the 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 birds are the harbinger of spring. No, that phrase. phrase, I don't know about that. (laughs) It's just an old white guy standing there. That does make me think of all the different times in book two, and I guess a little bit in book three, but mostly book two, um, kingdom of flesh and fire when they're talking about well this could be a good sign it doesn't have to be a bad sign and, and i always i literally always thought that was just hawk like trying to be trying to make up yes yeah, like yeah. trying to make uh poppy feel better about yeah. stuff but that's just but in this the, what, she is, that's she just does what it bring is good change technically yeah true. she does yeah. in this instance it's when he's talking about um stuff going on with his family and his mom right. and dad when they're young and they knew he said I, I knew it was a harbinger of something bad yeah um and I, I immediately went there also but it doesn't necessarily have to mean that i just don't it's ever think of i've never heard that used in a positive sense but maybe that's just how we're culturally using it maybe yeah that makes sense it does have a negative connotation well, in, my, it's a in word my brain that sounds it just sounds negative Harbunger. Harbunger. Harbunger sounds different. It sounds, <laughs> it sounds like it sounds, something it else. Sounds like a dude I'd meet overseas. <laughs> this is Harbinger. <laughs> He's blonde, blue eyed, tall. Well, thank you for no, sharing about Harbinger. 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 <laughs> it's, a, it's a very nerdy, our nerdiest means, vocabulary. It, the word has lost all meaning. I know, right? I know, right? Yeah. It doesn't even sound like a word anymore. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> so let's get into Hawk's pants. Hawk and Poppy. Yeah. <laughs> and so they're in the garden. He has told Poppy that he's going to help her basically not get over what happened with Ryland, but try to like replace, replace bad it. memories with good memories. Oh, right? Dude, Ryland ever... died like a week ago. Get I know. past it. Get past I know. it. Well, I don't think he wants her to get past it, but he's trying to be helpful because he does feel bad that it's his fault that he like ruined the garden for her with the whole thing with Rylan. Like that's his fault ultimately, you know? I mean, yeah. So he's trying to like make up does for it. Does he feel bad about it though? Yes. I don't feel like he feels that bad. I, don't I think he, he fe- I think he feels bad. That she's for, sad? Yes. I think Not he bad fe- for doing it. Right. He okay, feels gotcha. bad for like the emotional effect it's having on her and like mm-hmm. taking away one of like the one now that he knows her and knows that the garden was like one place that she could go and enjoy and not yeah. be locked in her room. Like he took that away. Now, you know? let me ask you this. When they get under the willow tree 
if the mm. first time you had read this, mm, the first time you read this, if under the willow tree they had fucked, would you think this book was good? Hmm. Um, I would not like the story as much. I know. And I was thinking about that because I was like, I remember even rereading it this week and being like, oh my God, I wish they had done it. But it would have been so out of character for her. Right. It wouldn't have helped with like his inner conflict, right? Of kind of falling in love with her. And I like that slow burn. It I has And she wouldn't get fingered burn. in the forest, which is nice. <laughs> she might still have gotten fingered in the forest. Well, but like, I think, not as surprisingly. Yeah, no. I think if they had had sex under, at this point, it would have been like way too soon for her character. Right. Yeah, yeah. I would if, have felt like she, like everything she stood for kind of yeah. Away. But what if when they were rubbing up against each other, somebody came and shook the bench? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think Poppy's a Mormon. <laughs> if you're not familiar with the term soaking, we're not going to go into it on no. this podcast, but you can look it up. Yeah. Uh, go if, for it. If Have you, fun. If you did. It's still fucking, my friends. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, in basically telling her, I'm going to try to replace these bad memories with good memories with the garden. Like it doesn't have to be a horrible place. He again is vulnerable with her and talks about the caverns and how that was one of the last places he saw his brother. And now he can't, he doesn't want to go back because he feels like it should be different. And I, again, he's being vulnerable with her, right? Like he doesn't talk about this stuff with hardly anybody. Did you catch that? He said, um, essentially he had to stop going to the caverns. He stopped going with his brother when they were younger and then with his best friend a few years after that. Mm. And um, for those of you that have read along, we find out, and I don't know if it's book two or three, but the girl that Hawk was in love with, Shay, we talked about her last episode. That's who he's referencing right here, which becomes a little bit of a thing for Poppy in the next book because he keeps calling her his best friend, which Mm -hmm. that would hurt my feelings too. That's worse than being in love with someone to me. Like I'm like, oh, you lost your best friend. Here's the thing though on that timeline. He says, I lost my brother and then I lost my best friend a few years later. Wasn't Malik there for... 50 years before all that stuff went down with Shay? But a few years to an Atlantean. That's what I was going to say. Is that where we're, is that where we're looking at? Like, well, but he also could be talking, losing his brother. He could be talking about when he was taken captive because he was taken captive and then traded for his brother. So the start of his captivity was the start of the separation with his brother. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think that's what he's talking about. Like they were separated and then he also lost his best friend in that process. But my question with that whole thing is the way that he talks about it, it sounds very much like it was the three of them. And I'm like, where was Karen? I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, that's a good point. And also where was Prela? Because Prela would have been Mal- Malik's bonded woven and Kieran is Castile's bonded woven. And it seems like when you have a bond- bonded woven, like you guys are like Hanging bosom buddies. Maybe yeah. he's omitting parts of the story to make it more believable. Yeah, maybe. Anything. But yeah. it's just every time he talks about it, like it's like Kieran's not there at all. And it's we don't even know about Malik's bonded woven until book four. Right. So or maybe it's mentioned. um, it must be mentioned or before that, but I just think it's weird. Like it sounds like they're not there at all. And I'm like, shouldn't they, wouldn't they, especially they Kieran. Were keeping watch or something. Yeah, maybe that's true. Maybe they were standing outside the, they were guarding the cavern that probably not though. I don't know. It's just 
just a question that I had. Um, so throughout this entire conversation, as they're walking through the garden before he takes her to the willow tree, she is sensing that he is she senses that he is conflicted. And so going back to some of the Hawk POV stuff that we've read in previous episodes, his plan is to take her to take her like from the garden at this point. Right. Oh yeah. So he's supposed to go under the willow tree, get out of sight from everybody and then leave and go meet Kieran, kidnap her, take her to the Capitol. Like that's the plan. And so I think that at this point, as they're walking through the garden, he's still like, I'm supposed to do this. Like Kieran's out there. The rest of everybody's out there waiting for me to take her to the willow and then leave the garden and like take her. And he's feeling conflicted. Like, am I actually going to do this right now? Like, what am I doing? You know, the whole thing. And I don't want to spoil it too soon, but the whole thing that happens with the Duke Mm -hmm. um, that we find out at the end of this chapter well, that wasn't part of the plan, though. So, like, maybe no. once that happened, he already was starting to think things weren't going to go the way that he was already planning. See, I don't know, because I feel like he thought, well, I'm going to leave anyway, so True. I'll just kill the Duke on my way out. Because yeah. if he had done his plan, he could... He would have never been... Exactly. He yeah. would have killed the Duke and then left and never and been seen would've. again. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't think he decided until... They were under the tree. Right. Whether or not he was actually going to take her. Because he tells her later, I I couldn't take you because I knew that you were going to hate me. That and, way. R- well, <laughs> steal her. Um, I could, I didn't, you were going to hate me and I didn't, I wasn't ready for that. I didn't want you to stop seeing me as just Hawk. Right. Um, so they go through the garden. They were, they're holding hands. She's holding his hand. He's not just leading her. Like they're holding hands together. She says she cherishes it. Um, and I wrote down, like, I bet he just feels so guilty. Like he's having this conversation and trying to make her feel better. He's telling her he's going to replace these bad memories with good ones, but is like, and I'm going to kidnap you. Right? Like, he's just feeling so guilty at this point. Here's an interesting point about that. Before they go to the willow, she mentions that she smells lavender. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you know I go to my nerdy floriography, right? And what does lavender mean? And it typically is given the meaning loyalty, love, or devotion. But it can also symbolize distrust because mm. it's after a Victorian legend of the dangerous asp that killed Cleopatra. Um, after hiding under a lavender bush. Ooh. Interesting. That is interesting. So I, I thought that I was that. a very cool twist, a cool spin on that whole thing. The positive and the negative yeah. meanings. Yeah. yeah. That is really interesting. Um, yeah. And well, and she says too, before they get to the tree, you know, he's talking about losing his brother and Poppy says, I hope you get to see him again. And I'm like, oh, I, he, I bet he no. felt so like ashamed and guilty because his plan is, yeah, I'm going to see my brother again because I'm going to kidnap you and, and give you, you for yeah, well, give you to these evil people yeah. that like are monsters and you just don't know it. But I'm yeah. going to use you to get my brother like thanks uh, to you. I'll see my brother again. Right. Yeah. I just was like, oh, that's got to hurt. Um, so then they get to the willow tree and he's he's like, this is my favorite place. Let's go. Let's go underneath. Um, which I thought he, it didn't seem like he was lying when he said he had never seen one before he came to Macedonia, but Poppy was surprised that he had never seen a willow. I thought that was weird. I think she's saying that because her point was if he had been at the Capitol, there are a bunch of willow trees at the Capitol. But he actually was at the Capitol. I thought she said that there weren't any at the Capitol because of the way that the roots grow. 
Mm. Oh, I don't know. Sorry. I thought she was saying there were some at the Capitol too. I thought but she, he was actually there. But no, I think she said it's he probably wouldn't have seen it at the Capitol because they don't really grow there because of the weird roots. But that it, if he grew up in a farming community, she didn't understand why he wouldn't have seen it. Well, and like they don't have any willow trees in Atlantia at all. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I just think that's weird yeah. that... I just thought that was a weird little detail. Um, but I guess maybe it's just a writing device to show like his, his outsider uh, status, right? Maybe, like yeah. he's acting like he belongs, but he doesn't really. I just thought it was kind of weird. So I wanted to talk just a little bit about willow trees before we get into what, happened what happens. Yeah, what happens at the willow tree. And I found like a lot of different things. So willow trees are first described and named by somebody whose name I cannot pronounce in the 1700s. Uh, from <laughs> Please the try. Carolus Linnaeus. Linnaeus, did yeah. Great. Oh, thank you. Um, the weeping willows were transplanted, I guess, into the Clifford Gardens in Hartacamp in the Netherlands. <laughs> that's, that's the right way to say it, folks. Um, so willow, weeping willows are used to symbolize a lot of different things in a lot of different cultures. Um, They are used to symbolize flexibility and adaptability because of their flexible branches. They can be symbolic of humans capability to withstand hardship, loss and difficult emotions because of their, um, basically the branches, right? Like they're they're sturdy. They bend, don't break there. They bend, they survive through things. Um, which is the next one survivor or symbol of rebirth due to its long life and the ease of growing new trees from cuttings of um, current trees in ancient China. Willows are believed to ward off evil. There can symbolize, sorry, I can't read my own handwriting. They can symbolize grief and mourning because of the shapes of the leaves. That's why they're called weeping willows. Cause they look like tears. Um, they can symbolize immortality and rebirth because of the endurance, um, of the tree, like it, the survivor of rebirth survival and symbol of rebirth. They are a symbol of endurance of love and family despite death because of the way that you can take the cuttings from a a dying tree and grow a new one. A Native American culture similar to the ancient Chinese culture, they symbolize good luck. Um, It's believed that the phrase knock on wood comes from willow trees, which I did not know this. I didn't know Um, that either. That is believed to come from a Celtic tradition of knocking on a willow tree for good luck. Knocking on wood. I thought that was interesting. I just have that song from like the 60s stuck in my head. You better knock on wood. wood. (laughs) (laughs) That That was was my baritone. Yeah. That was my not good singing. (laughs) In Celtic culture, it was also believed that when the wind blew through willow trees and moved the leaves, that that was actually elves whispering to each other, which I really enjoyed. Um, They do make a whispering noise when the leaves move. Right. Yeah. Um, In Greek culture, willow trees symbolized power just kind of in general. And there were a lot of different examples. One of them was Hecate used a willow wand. Shut up. (laughs) Is it really? It actually is. Yeah. (sighs) She's a witch. Yeah. Oh, is that why you say it like that? Well, she's, uh, well, I guess you don't listen to the audiobooks, the Hades and Persephone audiobooks, but Hecate, Hecate is a big character in there, but yeah, it's Hecate. Yeah, but in my brain, it's Hecate. <laughs> God bless you. 
<laughs> this feels like a neat dose, night dose. <laughs> but it really, <laughs> but it's this not is actually. Yeah. Well, because Hecate is like all through folklore. Hecate. Hecate. I think Hecate. Hecate? Hecate. What is it, Mindy? I think it's Hecate. Okay. Hecate. In Greek culture, willow trees symbolize power. Is that what it sounded like. <laughs> no, it's just not. Hecate. Okay. Hecate. Hecate. She uses a wand made of willow bark. Hecate. <laughs> Um, and then there were several pop culture references. I had never put these together really. Um, in the Disney movie Pocahontas, there's the grandmother willow and she represents like, um, I want to say old age, but like, uh, long, wisdom. not sustainability. Longevity. Longevity. Thank you. Um, and wisdom for sure. You know sure. what doesn't have longevity? That fucking boring movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's got longevity well, because it lasts too fucking long. I remember well, watching yeah. it and I was like little and I was like, what is this shit? Like, I know you really <laughs> I like always, it. Yeah, I always like it. Well, you like the songs in it, I bet. Well, yeah. I feel like that would be a good How movie you if not? you were on an acid trip. Well, you yeah. know, I always was. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder you enjoyed it I know, so much. Right? With Pocahontas was also like 10. I know. Yeah, it's Ew. problematic to say the least. Um, in Harry Potter, you have the Whomping Willow, which represents oh, yeah. power and protection, right? It, it's yeah. like protecting, um, well, it's protecting yeah. itself, but it's the also kids. protecting the kids yeah. from going through that like secret tunnel or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then my personal favorite, because I used to teach this when I taught high school, Othello, the play, Desdemona sings a, a song about willow trees. Sing it. Sing now, it. I used to tell my students, like, you must sing this. And they'd be like, what? <laughs> but it's like, willow, willow, willow. Like, it's so weird. Whitney. <laughs> I remember you always loved teaching that because you got to show a movie. <laughs> no, they, lo- they loved Othello because it's like, it's a lot of drama. It they is. really enjoyed it a lot. But I really... I just there's a lot of different symbolism for willow trees, but I feel like a lot of them fit with Poppy, right? Like being able to withstand hardship, being able to survive even in difficult circumstances, being able to um, be reborn, right? Mm -hmm. Like even when death is trying to stop you, like not letting it, all that kind of stuff. It's really it fits Poppy a lot. Um, So they go under the willow tree. There's a little bit of conversation and a lot more action. And he, she's sitting. Okay, Tom Jones. He, I know, right? <laughs> she's, he has her sitting in his lap. He pulls her really close. They're talking about this. I actually had a question about this. So they're talking about um, the trees and talking about how she used to come with her brother when she was a kid into the garden and like hide under the tree and stuff. And she was like, you know, well, when, when it snows, you come under here and none of the snow has fallen. It looks like you're in a different world, whatever. And he's like, well, maybe we'll do that when it snows. And I'm like, why is, why he, would you say that? Yes. Like, was, why is he talking question. about, haven't you ever like beginning of love been like, well, I want to share that with you. Yeah. But that's what, I guess that's what my question is, is like, is he just getting lost in the moment and forgetting what his, he's supposed to be doing. It has yes, to be. Know? It has to be because that seems super callous to be like, right. maybe we'll come back here, even though I'm totally going to take you away. Right. Like I, I was wondering, is he literally forgetting what he's supposed to be doing? Is he just pretending like, like well, what if the, I just stayed, he you know, has no brain power because all the blood rushed to his dick. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's probably, that's probably pretty. He's probably all dizzy. Uh, I wrote, um, is this living in denial, wishful thinking? I need this POV. That's what I wrote in my notes. I feel like we say that every week. I know, right? We're like, I hope that's on the POV. He's getting a little, you know, saucy with her. And she's like, is this why you brought me out here? Like to be inappropriate? 
And I just thought, hmm, I bet that question hurts him because like, why did you bring her out here, Hawk? Right. Right. To do this horrible thing to her that he struggles with for a lot of the beginning of their relationship. Right. Of like, I was going to do this really awful stuff and I didn't know anything about you. And I was willing to like derail your entire life. Right. Um, is that why you brought me out here? And I was just like, mm, and then he comes out with it tough. because I wanted to, but right. which could be like some people, I think when I first read it, I was like, Oh, that's so, that's so sweet. Cause Ooh, I wanted to, that's so hot. but that's like, such, he's not, he's not yeah. lying. But then it reminds, not lying. No, he's not. But that reminds me of like the 13 year old boys that are like, kicking their feet because i wanted to yeah i couldn't think of anything <laughs> yeah, better to say yeah i yeah. like this girl but you wouldn't know her <laughs> <laughs> i wonder if she likes me i did like to when he says to poppy very rarely is anything i do innocent and i was that's like one of my favorite quotes that's so meta <laughs> because he's got all this this whole underlying plan of like ruining her life right <laughs> like that's about as far from innocent as you can possibly be and she thinks that he's being like sexual right, right. or like um just inappropriate suggestive but he's and he is, and he is but he's also got this like Ulterior. yeah i'm gonna like throw you to the wolves <laughs> essentially like that's my plan Truthfully. um i also really enjoy the idea that kieran is just like out there just waiting <laughs> just, yeah. like he's somewhere yeah. close and i'm assuming like Niall and Emil and like their whole crew they're all out there waiting for him to bring the maiden and listening to them exactly <laughs> like I'm like they've got to be and close enough smelling them too they've wouldn't got it, to be close enough to hear it be this so right? embarrassing though to know that all your friends were listening to your moves I mean <laughs> he's got I just, them though and then he's like and then you know the friends are like oh fuck not again come on man <laughs> right i i, I don't like, know you I keep just, making us wait out here for nothing i know they're waiting somewhere and i just would love it if they're waiting close enough to hear all of this i want to know that they're to, on the other side of the tree i, I know. know like i just think Giggling. that's so hilarious <laughs> or kieran like are you kidding me like come on man or like, kieran's like dude are you asking him another question <laughs> She did ask several questions in this uh, this whole thing. And then he says <laughs> two things that I've always thought are just so sweet and swoon worthy. First of all, I love when he says, if I do anything you don't like, I gave you permission to stab me. <laughs> I, know. I just think that's so funny. But I also really enjoy like he's very serious and he says it more than once. Like if I do something you don't like, tell me and I will stop. Right. And you believe him that he actually will. Because sometimes... Well, and characters, guys will be like, if you don't like it, I'll stop. But the, then, they, then don't, they don't, right? Yeah, because they're jerks and they just want to get you in bed. Right. But I also love how this is the beginning of him giving her the choices that she never had. Mm-hmm. You know, he's giving her this choice. If you want to do it, okay. If you don't, you can stab me. <laughs> yeah. And he would enjoy and that. And I'll get even more turned on. And then exactly. Right. Yeah. So she does tell him he's a bad influence. And I love this line where he says, only the bad can be influenced. <laughs> yeah, I've. And then she says it's faulty logic, which I think is so cute. He's just the best. But he says the super swoon worthy line. I don't care what you are. I care about who you are. (laughs) And that's like nobody looks at her like that. Everybody only cares that she's the maiden. Well, she responds with it. It had to be the most. It had to be the sweetest and most perfect thing anyone could say. Yeah. Yeah. And to her, that is. Because nobody ever just sees her as her. Yeah. Yeah. And I wrote. I wrote down there are so many layers to this about I care about who you are because he definitely does mean it as I care about you, Poppy, not the maiden. But he also means it in terms of you are the queen's favorite. 
therefore you are um, the useful factor yeah. for yes. my brother. Yeah. You're useful to me. Um, he cares about who she is in terms of like, you aren't who I expected you to be. And so that's making me question this whole plan and like what I was planning on doing, who I thought I was doing this to. Um, and ultimately she is his heartmate and he yeah. just doesn't know it yet. Right. So like that, all these layers that as a first time reader, are lost on you but then when you go back it's like ooh this yeah. is all everything has more meaning what's it like ooh, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> props to you JLA and he basically says you know your your life as the maiden is the worst right like you aren't allowed to do anything and i he says you do want you want me and i wrote ah <laughs> <laughs> i wrote I wrote that down what what you want is me and she says that doesn't matter and he says what you want should always matter. Right. And again he's still like making sure she knows that she's important and not for the reasons that people are telling her she is. And yet planning, he's still planning on yes, taking her. Planning on kidnapping her and using her to get his when brother do you back. Think he switch, when do you think he changes his mind in this whole right here right at this moment when mm-hmm. she asks him to kiss her yeah i think okay. i think it's this whole experience under the he's tree wavering yeah. yeah because he sent kieran and all them to wait for do him. you wonder though if like and i think we'll find this out were kieran and them running late was he stalling and then she asked him to kiss her i don't think so how do you know i don't know i just don't <laughs> think i just don't think no. so. i think he was stalling but i think he was stalling for himself well, right. Yeah. yeah. I don't think I can't imagine that he would ask Kieran to be there like in this situation and Kieran would be like, sorry. Yeah. Kieran's probably there the last me. person that would be late. They could get you know stuck I, up doing could. anything though. Well, know? there were those fires. That's true. Like there are those fires oh, that yeah. dissenter. We find out in the next section that the dissenters started fire. So maybe they did. Yeah. But um, when when he talks to Poppy about this whole uh, scenario in the next book, he said the way that he says it makes it sound like Kieran and them were like waiting out there. Like they were already there. No, I do agree. He's stalling for himself because he doesn't want to do it. Right. Like he knows that's the plan, but he just doesn't want to. And so, um, I I don't even know why I wrote this down, but I wrote, he loves her so much. (laughs) That's all I wrote down. Um, so he's, he's very clearly conflicted, And she asks him to kiss her, right? So it's her choice, which is important to him and very important to her. And they have super awesome makeout session. On that note, it's time for a cocktail. Oh, yes. Craft cocktails don't have to be fussy or ingredient heavy. Make and Muddle is here so that you can have a delicious three-ingredient cocktail every time. Spend more time reading and less time mixing. Make and Muddle. Cocktail evangelists here to spread the good news about booze. I'm going to have to just read some of my notes (laughs) from this section. (laughs) So I wrote, finally making out. First, sweet and gentle, and then his emotions and attraction take over. And then I drew a heart. <laughs> I feel like I'm listening to fan fiction right now. <laughs> oh, just, it gets better. And then, and then he touched her. Right? So then I wrote down this quote. There was just want, so much of it. It heated my blood, set fire to my senses. Hawk shuddered, and a sound emerged from the back of his throat, half growl, half moan. The mm. hunger behind our kiss should have scared me, and maybe it did a little, because it felt like too much and not nearly enough all at the same that time. That was my favorite I know, line. right? I love that. And then I wrote, he pulls her to straddle him. They're all pressed together. She runs her fingers through his hair. Good God. 
<laughs> so it is so much happens in four pages because oh, yeah. you know even later in this particular series there's some sex scenes that are like pages and pages and believe yeah. me I am not complaining <laughs> but she is so succinct here but says so much oh, yes. and all it does is like you're literally on Poppy and Hawk's side like grappling for more like begging yes. yeah. for them to go further than they actually do well and this whole chapter I feel like she JLA does such a good job writing different kinds of tension because yeah. all of the different things that are happening like in his dick <laughs> no <laughs> all of you. all of the different things that are happening you're like like you just said like you're right there feeling whatever poppy is feeling yes. right like every all the way that she the different ways she is experiencing all, all the stuff that happens in this chapter, you're right there feeling it too. So right? I will say, unfortunately, in some bookstores, this is shelved as YA. It is Ugh. not, for the record. I definitely understand. isn't. But I will Stop say, doing that, books. I will say, if you were under 17 or 18 and you read this, I don't think the scene would resonate with you the same way. Probably not. You have to have had like a really good, passionate make out session with yeah. someone and i'm sorry guys if you think you're passionately good making out with someone at 16 just you wait yeah. <laughs> you have not had good kissing yet like I, I i'm serious like so if you're reading this you're like oh they really like each other but i think if you read it as an adult you're like i remember that yes. or if you're single and dating that's right. still happening yeah. right right yeah i really love the way that jla builds the tension here you know talk about that slow burn like mm -hmm. i Love it. It's so good. Like I I, I, good I, God. I'm burning. <laughs> right. For sure. I love it when I can read a book and I get butterflies in my stomach. Like yes. I'm there. You yes, know, that, me too. and that's what this was, especially like in the very beginning, going back to when the chapter first opens up and she's just said, I want you to kiss, kiss me. me. Yeah. And he says, I wrote it down. Gods, he breathed, and one hand returned to my cheek. You don't have to ask me twice, princess, and you never have to beg. I know. And I got butterflies and chills. I'm getting chills right now, actually. I know. It's <sighs> Although I kind of hope, based off my own current... Um, unlocked kinks that in future books <laughs> kink unlocked Ching. I hope he makes her beg a little <laughs> I mean I think we'll he, see he certainly begs a couple of times he yes, does, he does. Yeah. yeah he does but like not true. in a like immature boy way no, like no, a no. Very right sensual sultry way. well in a like a devoted very passionate like I need you because yeah. I love you so much. On fire. <laughs> I'm like, we can change the subject. I'm uncomfortable in my seat right now. In the books where they're like, she clenched her thighs together. I'm like, this is hard. Yeah, right. She says, um, Poppy says, I felt alive. Like I was finally waking up and I never wanted it to stop. And I wrote, they are so hot. I love it. The passion is hot. <laughs> Like I was reading over my notes earlier, like what was what I on when like, yeah, like when I wrote you were these full notes. of lust, darling. Like, she were. Um he stops her. This made me laugh so much. He stops her and is like, We need to like chill out for a second. And she says, 
I don't even know what the whole sentence was, but I just wrote down, despite being confused by his words and the fact that we weren't kissing, (laughs) that made me laugh. Like, why? Why did you stop? Like, what's going on? Um, So he basically is like, I need to take you back to your room because I'm about to lay you out on the ground and like, fuck you. (laughs) I was seconds from taking you to the ground and becoming a very, very bad guard. Yeah, I love (laughs) that. She says she's a bad maiden. And I really love what he says to her. He's like, you are a perfect normal person and mm-hmm. what is expected of you is, is bad. Yes, I love and that. And he says she is a bad maiden. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you naughty, naughty maiden. Yeah, Keep no. unlocked. <laughs> well, because I think that, again, he's the only one that talks to her and looks at her like Poppy and not just the maiden, right? So he's constantly like saying things like that to show her like, no, no, you're not the maiden. Like you're a human person. And, you know, your brain and desires and whatever doesn't go away just because someone gave you this title, right? Mm -hmm. Which I really loved. And then this next section, I love the way that it's written so much. Going back to how JLA is so good at writing tension. So he's like, let me take you back to your room. And so they wa- they leave the tree. They go... Hang on a second. Back up for a little bit, though, because they spend um, like a good deal of time basically just snuggling after mm-hmm. they decided they have to go back in. And this part made me so sad for Poppy because have you ever been in that situation where you didn't want something to end so bad because yeah. you knew when it did, you'd have to go back to your shitty life. Well, and that's it. <laughs> She's thinking this is it for her forever. This is it. Yeah. Yeah. It's her only opportunity. She yeah. even says, what did she say about, um, I had all night for everything to become a memory I had a lot of nights for that or something like that. Yeah. Like she basically is saying, I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to enjoy right it now. while I can, yeah. because I've got my entire life to just remember it as a memory and right. Yeah. And not experience yeah. it anymore. No, that's true. I really liked that too, where he's like, let's go. And then it's like, well, okay, sit in sure. my lap a little longer. Like, <laughs> that's fine. Um, Cause he's, I think feeling he that exact same needed, way. Yeah. Quite frankly, if you're thinking about dudes, he probably needed his erection to go down before he stepped out from under the willow. I feel like with Hawk though, he always has an erection. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like <laughs> yeah, an extra like, cod piece area. I feel, all his I feel like when he's around Poppy, it's just like constant. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, like it's everyone's so used to seeing him with an erection. <laughs> they don't even like, notice when he has one. <laughs> right. Exactly. Like, I just feel like that's, that's normal. Just how Hawk's built. Right. I just feel like that's normal for him but um no i th- i feel like hawk felt the exact same way right like right. because he's got that same she just doesn't know it but he's got that same like when we leave this tree i have to either take her or deal with the fact that i'm, I'm not, not going to take, take her, her. right mm-hmm. like it's the same kind of deal just a different different, different situation yeah. so they do leave the tree they walk back through the garden and i love it they like turn the corner and freaking victor <laughs> there's your fucking dad dude <laughs> listen i've been caught by a parent on more than one occasion at so church. have i <laughs> one at least once at church <laughs> probably more than once at church but that is like the worst feeling of just instant dread and humiliation and shame like secondhand embarrassment oh my gosh okay but you know what it comes all the way back around and your kids are younger but i bet you can attest to this mindy is like you feel the same thing when your kids get older and you're watching a movie and a sex scene comes on Mm. oh for sure you're like oh i i i I, I, I don't want to be here (laughs) 
<laughs> remember when you like were old enough to watch those movies with your parents and like it comes on and you're like looking at the ceiling and stuff i'm doing yep. that now but as the parent <laughs> yes and then i'm like i'm not supposed to like this my kid's sitting right here like you know what i mean and i'm like Boo. so it, it does it comes back around unfortunately. Yeah, well isn't that just great <laughs> yeah. there's there is a book that my daughter doesn't want me to read that she read a couple of years ago that she didn't know was really smutty and it's always been on my tbr but now it's on my tbr shelf and she keeps looking at me she's like please don't read it what book, what book is it? <laughs> a king so cold oh i've not heard of that one. i know i don't know that one that's on my she tbr said it's like, she said it's in like the first chapter and she and remember we were at craft weekend and she called me and she's like mom like this book is really smutty and i was like so how far are you into it she's like i'm almost to the end and i was like well how early was the sex and she goes first chapter <laughs> and i was like well, that was probably well, you're your indicator. All in now. Yeah, I guess you know about that now, don't you? But um, I yeah. guess I better tell you before I finish the book, but just so she, I can say I told you. She doesn't want me to read it for that. But then, like for the same reason, I don't want her to read Court of Silver Flames. Right. Well, I don't really need her to know what those references are. Right. But I mean, she's she is yeah. old enough. I was gonna say it's. I, I guarantee you, she's heard some of it. Oh, one hundred percent. Well, and she'll. In this particular situation, she'd probably just find the book and read it yeah. behind your back. <laughs> I mean, probably. And yeah. so, like, I might as well be available to talk to her about yeah, it. Exactly. Right. It's not going to hurt her, right? That's what I would do. I would read it yeah. behind my parents' back. Right. But my mom would also, like, I'd not rather talk my to me kid come it. to me and be like, oh, I read this book and I'm not sure what I just read and be able to talk to him about it. 100%. Yeah. But that, that embarrassment, and, you yeah. know, Victor is not her dad, but he basically is he her dad, is. right? He's her father figure. But the way that JLA wrote this scene i experience right there with poppy that like oh they were so hot that make out hawks the best he's so wonderful oh my god oh, there's victor like, like, like you just got a big bucket so, of ice yes. thrown over you yeah victor says something and this is actually said in a supernatural episode it's a pretty common phrase but bobby singer says it and you know he has this thick southern accent right <laughs> oh yeah, yeah and he yeah, goes yeah. and so when i hear victor say it in my mind and the narrator does it a little bit in the audiobook too i'm i'm hearing bobby singer's voice and he's like boy i may have been born at night but i wasn't born last night (laughs) (laughs) yeah that is because that is how a dad would say oh for sure right i don't know why and i love uh, you know automatically or not automatically well i guess it is immediately poppy and hawk are like chill out like nothing happened although i mean definitely a lot happened and he's like i know exactly what you were doing and hawk says doubtful (laughs) and i'm like first of all that's funny but second of all he knows well no because hawk was like deciding whether or not he was gonna kidnap her and send her off to the capital (laughs) right did you notice though that victor calls her maiden and hawk calls her penelope yes well like victor and he was making a point like dude you're trying to fuck the maiden right stop it right yeah but what was amazing though was hawk and him posturing like that whole interchange where they're where he's like you're the maiden he's like well i was taking penelope back to her room or whatever no he says you'll never guard the maiden again or something well because also for context victor has just had a conversation with poppy about being more careful so that the duke doesn't beat her more right like i think that if the if the duke had still been alive haha you're not but (laughs) and he had he had come across this. Well, first of all, I think Hawk would have killed him. But if it had been anyone yeah. else, he would have locked Penelope up. He would have chained her up. Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, for and sure. And I think that Victor knows that. So he's like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? Well, and I wonder, too, if... 
I wonder if this is in Victor's head at all or or in JLA's head for writing for the the Duke. If the Duke found out that Poppy had been sullied in that way, if that would have encouraged him to abuse her in to go more further. sexual ways. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like oh, well, somebody else point. has already exactly. ruined her. Oh, so exactly. Awesome. exactly. Yeah. Like, I just, I don't, I don't know if that was in JLA's head or not. I don't know if that could potentially be in Victor's head at all of like, you know, if he finds out that you're already not pure, like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? I'm not sure if she was still pure. She just doesn't know it. Well, yeah. Yeah. So I want to, can I point out a section? I, I specifically feel like this is the point where, Poppy has been starting to doubt things. She's been catching the ascended and lies. She's been thinking things about the dissenters and like, why can't these people keep their babies? And mm-hmm. why does it have to be every child? And so she's already starting to doubt things. But, you know, Victor tells her, like, you are the maiden. Yes, I know you kissed him, but you have all the liberties in the world and the world is your oyster. Yeah. And um, I hope you don't mind me reading all this. It's two big paragraphs. No, this is but the most this heartbreaking. Is, yeah. yeah no, this is where important. she realizes she can no longer be the maiden, even if she hasn't told herself that yeah. yet. So she goes, you don't understand. I can't celebrate my birthdays because that's ungodly. I'm not allowed to go to picnics at the Grove or to supper with others because I'm the maiden. I'm not allowed to defend myself because that would be unseemly. I don't even know how to ride a horse. The name of our drink this week. Nearly every book is forbidden to me. I can't socialize or make friends because my sole purpose is to serve the kingdom by going to the gods, something no one will even explain. What does that actually mean? And then she goes on to say, everything's been taken from me, my free will, my choice, my future, and I still have to suffer through the Duke's lessons. I still have to stand there and let him hit me, let him look at me and touch me, do whatever he and the Lord wants. And then she says, I sucked in a fiery, painful breath, lifted my hands, blah, blah, blah. But then she says, I have to stand there and take it. I can't even scream or cry. I can do nothing. So I'm sorry that choosing something that I want for myself is such a disappointment to you, the kingdom, everyone else, and the gods. Where is the honor in being the maiden? What exactly should I be proud of? Who would want this? Point me in the direction and I'll gladly switch places with them. It should be no shock that I want to be found unworthy. And yeah. I'm like, oh my God. I know. And the fact that, number one, it's taken her, what, 13, 16 years to realize this at this point, and mm-hmm. like that she is being held captive. Yeah. Yeah. And like Hawk has given her hints about this, which I think opened her mind, but she starts to realize like kissing someone does not change ultimately who I am. Right. And all you guys do is treat me like shit. And I mean, she pretty much calls Victor out on letting the Duke hit her. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like why is, why is all of this okay if I'm so special? And so this is, I feel like when she made up her mind, she's done. Well, and I think too, I feel like Hawk isn't necessarily showing her that it's not okay. Cause I think she knows like my life sucks, but it's more like it doesn't have to be that way. You know what I mean? Like, it's almost you like ever, he's giving her permission. Exactly. Have you ever felt a certain way? And then someone says something to you and validates it and yes. you're like, Oh, it's okay to feel like that. No, that's, that's what I mean. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I, it's not like she hasn't felt those things. It's that she think, but until Hawk shows up, nobody is giving her any hint that, there's another option, right? right? right. Like that yeah, it doesn't have point. to be that way. And he's the one that's like, no, like I'll stand up for you and yeah. I'll stop the priestess from hitting you. And, you know, but I also love those, the specific examples that she gives of like, I'm not allowed to do this. I'm not allowed to do this. They're very simple, yeah. like 
life. Kind of little, a birthday party. Things yeah. we take for granted, having yes. a picnic. Like just little, simple, enjoyable things of life, right? Like they're not even big, huge decisions. They're just little daily types of things that she, she has nothing right. Um, before she says that one of the other lines that Victor says that I was like, Ooh, he says to Hawk before Hawk storms off. I promise you this, it will be over my dead body before you spend another moment alone with her. I know. And it, and it is I know. like, <laughs> Oh, oh that just hit me too. I know. That was not nice. Well, I mean, JLA wrote it. It's not, I'm Don't just you reading love to- and on all of this I'm like it's awful it really is awful that everything's happening but then I just I had to giggle when Hawk was like back the fuck up yeah. right <laughs> like dang right well because Hawk too you know and I don't think I've ever really thought about this until this particular reading you know Hawk is walking into this confrontation with Victor in the middle of this like emotional storm happening inside him. Right. And he is like upset with himself and he's frustrated at a situation. And I'm sure he's frustrated that, like you know why can't i just why am i so conflicted about this go back to your friends and be like i can't do it exactly my brother now does not matter exactly right like he's got all of this stuff that's going through his head that he is trying to deal with and then victor is like don't you make out with her and it's like dude come on you're right like i don't i don't just hush you and let me let me go i love how he like runs you You're so sweet. I love how he like runs off too, which I made know. me he just, think of Twilight. Yeah, like you said, he definitely pieces out. Yeah, like it he makes me out. think of Phoebe running. <laughs> he just like takes off. Yeah, Poppy turns around and it's like, how did he go so fast? Like, where did he go? I thought that was really funny. But yeah, when she says like, who would want this? And it's like, literally nobody. No one. Nobody would want this, right? Like, a very valid point. And everybody, Victor, stop telling her that she should be so proud and so, uh, you know, feel so honored. Like, no, this sucks. And so he's going to take her back to her room. And then there's a huge commotion inside the Great Hall. And I loved how, you know, these, these are huge moments that have just happened for Poppy, right? Like this whole makeout scene with Hawk, this embarrassing getting caught by Victor, and then this realization, not even realization, but just admitting out loud, like how she really feels. Mm-hmm. And she immediately is like, no, my best friend is in there. Exactly. She's, she's not focused on herself mm-hmm. at all anymore. She immediately pivots to the people that she cares about and what she can do to help protect them and make sure that she didn't safe. even say what if Hawk's in there. All right. She cared about yeah. was Tawny, Tawny. Which I love. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, so can we talk a little bit about the Duke? Well, yeah. So this, this is great. It's this huge commotion, right? She goes in and discovers that the banner fell down and mm-hmm. um, revealed that the Duke has been in the Great Hall so this whole question time. About that, did nobody notice the lump behind the banner? I think they're all, it. They're all drinking and making. Out I'm sure stuff. it had to Was have it hanging been like further out or hanging something? further out. Yeah. So it That's does say. I saw what had broken the rod, what hung from the remaining one, the remaining rod, I guess. Rope stretched arms outward and so much red streaked pale skin. So this is the first time me reading this that I realized that the Duke has been crucified. Yeah, I never realized that. Right. I mean, I just thought that he was hanging there with the... uh, what is the it cane. called? The cane through his chest, which is kind of essentially what's holding him up. But he crucifies him across the wall with rope and then shoves the cane through his heart. So 
I unfortunately got really interested in crucifixion after reading this because I wanted to know why crucifixion's a thing, where it came from. And I've never really thought like how someone dies from a crucifixion. And it's really, really gory. I did put a a trigger warning on the episode, but I'm going to go ahead and say it now. This is very, very intense violence crucifixion is. So, you know, maybe skip ahead five minutes if this is going to bother you. So for those of you that don't know what crucifixion is, it's the execution of a person by kneeling or binding them to like a rack or a cross. So if you are a Christian, you the most famous form of crucifixion would be Jesus, right? And so crucifixion was a method of execution that was invented by the Persians in 300 to 400 BC as a severe form of punishment. So crucifixion is a torture and execution method meant to punish political agitators, pirates, slaves, or people without civil rights, which makes a lot of sense, right? Because later we, like we know that they were crucifying Jews, Mm -hmm. right? right? So crucifixion is meant to be a slow, painful death that can last anywhere from six hours to four days. Oh it can gosh. take that long for yeah, you to die. Yeah, it's supposed to be slow. Right. Like, so crucifixion is really, really gruesome. So even outside of nailing someone's hands to a board or binding them to a slab of wood, I've never really, like I said, considered how someone dies from a crucifixion and always just assumed it was dehydration or starvation because, mm-hmm. you know, if it takes six days, I'm thinking, right. oh, that's why they died. But unfortunately, it's much more severe than that. So Whenever someone has their nail, their hands nailed to a board, what it does is it causes severe major nerve damage in your hands whenever they go through the palm, causing excruciating pain to shoot up your arms for hours and hours and hours. So when you're hanging there from your arms, I'm sorry, this is really <laughs> gruesome. I can see Whitney's face. I'm sorry. Your shoulders and elbows dislocate. Oh. And your arms can stretch up to six inches longer than oh their previous normal Oh, my gosh. Normal, because from the of the, from the dislocation. Because your whole body weight is being hung from your hands, mm. right? So whenever someone is crucified, sometimes they will break their legs. And the reason why is you have to use your feet to push on the board to breathe. And the reason mm. why you're doing that is whenever you are hanging from your hands and all the weight is down, your diaphragm can't lift with all of the weight on you. So your air stays in your lungs and your body essentially fills with carbon dioxide. And so they break their legs so that they, so can't, they can't push hold up themselves and breathe. Up. Right. So what suffocate. they would do is they push their feet against the board to go up so they can inhale. Yeah. So what happens when your body collapses in on itself like that is you can't exhale. <sighs> so you can breathe in, but you can't breathe out. So your body feels with feels <laughs> fills <laughs> with carbon dioxide and your body extinct instinctively wants to breathe. Right. So what happens is your heart rate increases and pushes the blood through your body faster, aka it's pushing the CO2 through your body faster. Mm. So this causes damage to the tissues and the capillaries in your tissues begin to leak like a watery fluid and that fluid fills around your heart and your lungs and the decreased oxygen levels can lead to cardiac arrest. So the weight of your body continues to pull you down essentially until you asphyxiate. So you suffocate by not being able to exhale your breath. So I can't imagine hanging there for six days, not being able to get oxygen. Like it's horrible. So 
one thing I really wanted to look at is, is this still happening today? And unfortunately, it is. is it oh really? There are parts of the world where crucifixion still happens as a penalty to rapists. So, I mean, uh, I know. I know. We're, we're like, my face so, right now. Right. It's like that Listeners. one name of the girl that goes through all the motions. Like, she's like, mm, maybe. No. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I mean, and again, like, I'm not sure if anyone deserves a no, death like that. I, I mean, that is really, it really is horrible very... to make someone essentially suffocate mm-hmm. on their own breath. Like, mm-hmm. that is just terrifying. And it, there are some other articles that talked about how, like, um, your flesh won't tear at your hands because of like the the muscle network but it will tear like at your feet when you're trying to like push yourself up and so like your bones can break on their own because you're pushing so hard because your body is instinctively trying to survive it's a yeah so like a subconscious thing yeah so i'm not gonna lie i'm kind of happy this happened to the duke (laughs) (laughs) and and you know there's a lot of lore around crucifixion and why this is such a horrible way for the Duke to go. And it is the way that people were executed that did not deserve dignity and death, which Mm. I find really interesting. That's ironic. Right. I find it interesting that JLA has him crucified whenever they did this to the worst of the worst Mm. people that didn't deserve any kind of kindness as they were dying. Well, and what's also interesting is that there's a real parallel between how the Duke is, killed and then displayed and what hawk does later with jericho exactly right right. because they are the worst of the worst they tried to hurt someone that was innocent right and And that's interesting and don't forget too that jericho is alive for like a whole day Mm -hmm. after he's pinned up on the wall so it's really kind of terrifying when you think about it it is yeah Yeah. it's horrible so please i mean let's not do that to people you all Oh, um, that's crazy that that still happens. I know. It, Did it, it say happens in where? Yes, but oh, I don't want to say. Wanna say. Okay. I, I don't want to offend any listeners or anything because yeah. they're not doing it, right? Right. right? But they, if that does happen in their country, they know that it does. Well, so sure. I'll just leave yeah. it at that. So I will say, too, above the Duke is written in blood, mm-hmm. the mark of the dark one. And then it says, from blood and ash, we will rise. So riddle me this question. For several episodes, we've talked about psychopath or sociopath. So we know that Hawk crucified someone and wrote in blood his battle cry. So is Hawk a psychopath or a sociopath? Because we we love our characters gray. But this is some pretty dark shit. I mean... I think I was, I'd say psychopath. Calcul- it's calculated. It's but, and cold-hearted. He can hold it's it together. Not, it's not hot-headed. He never told Poppy what he was going to do. And he came back to the right knowing what he had just done. I know. And played it off. I know this. I know you don't want to say Hawk is a psychopath. I was going to say, I know, I know he's a fictional character. (laughs) But but I can't call him that. He's a psychopath wit. I have a really hard time assigning him that title. I don't want to assign it either. Here's the thing. He'll still fuck you. He would like it if you called him (laughs) that. (laughs) But I would totally turn him on. We're going to give him the same uh, diagnosis as the Duke? Yes. He tears people's spines out. He tears people's hearts out. He nails people to walls and leaves them there and smiles about it. But, he, but what people are he... What people he doing that to? <laughs> it doesn't really it matter doesn't if matter, they're bad though. people or not. Doesn't it? Because he, he directly planned someone's murder and then wrote in their blood his battle cry. That's pretty calculated. That is calculated. <laughs> I just 
I don't we'll go back I to know the, it, like, I see, is I know it hot headed I mean, or is it cold blooded? Well, it's definitely cold blooded. So I mean, the, the spine ripping out and the heart ripping I just, out. Is cold I don't. Yeah. I don't see him as a psychopath. But I think he also a psychopath. Also plans someone's abduction abduction for nineteen years mm-hmm. and is able to pretend until he falls for her that he likes her. That's I will true. say the only thing that would make him not either one is that he is capable of love of turning it off he can turn it off he has well, no, capable of loving someone he has a conscience he has ability to have empathy for other people he has the ability to feel his own emotions and we know that because poppy feels his emotions yeah, right right so like that so you that's don't part think psychopaths can feel their emotions no, that's part of, they can't feel empathy for other people. Mm, okay. That's, well, I mean, that's part of the diagnosis. I know he's a fictional character, but uh-huh. I'm, I'm stamping the word psychopath. I mean, on that's Hawk's fine, forehead. but he doesn't, but you're wrong. <laughs> no, I mean, he, he feels empathy and he has, yeah. uh, he has a conscience. He has, he feels guilt and shame and yeah, psychopaths he don't. He yeah. does not feel bad about this and he never does. He feels bad about he, the fires and people killing in his name. He but does he not feels feel bad he about feels the, the emotion like he is capable of feeling the emotions like sure. ge- in general, okay, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that he's he does not fit. I mean, I the antisocial personality disorder because he can feel empathy and so he's things, just a, you know? a roundabout serial killer. He's a vigilante. <laughs> <laughs> he's the long arm of the law. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but he is though, right? That's what I was saying with like. He's not just like picking randoms off the street and hanging them up on the wall, right? Like That's he's. He, I like how you're talking about how this is okay. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not saying that it's okay, but I'm trying to to articulate why I feel like it is so different from the my lady boner. No, it's not about that. I will say this is, this it doesn't fit to me and I'm trying to like put it into words. Why? You know what I mean? I really wrote this down to go. (laughs) It's a fascinating topic though, because why do we love a morally, like what makes a character morally gray as opposed to a total dickhead? Right. Like the empathy, the motivation or sexiness. No, <laughs> just kidding. Well, the I mean, Duke is hot. The Duke, she mean, talks about how attractive, like physically attractive, I mean, the yeah, Duke but is. But when I picture him, he does not look hot. Well, but yeah. that's because we focus on his personality. But True, when she talks right. about what he looks like, she talks about how, how he is a he is. yeah. You he's know, a I'll handsome be interested man. When they make this into a show, I want to know who cast him. Who's going to be and the if Duke? When, oh, and yeah. if when you see him, you're like, oh my god, he's beautiful. Who the fuck is that? And then you're like, oh, oh it's the Duke. I mean, that should be the kind of person that they pick. Yeah. Right, right. I mean, it's going to be uh, Tom Schwartz or whatever, and then Sandoval. Sandoval is uh, a no Tom and Tom. Tom. So oh, the Toms. Tom, yeah. So the Schwartz. one Tom. Yeah, Schwartz. The yeah. one Tom is, or the one the Duke is Tom Schwartz and Mazine is, is Tom Sandoval. Sandoval. Yeah, I can go for I that. just made them money, unfortunately. But well, they can't act. So you know who I picture is Lucius Malfoy as the Duke. Yeah, like the guy that played Lucius. I mean, Malfoy. He, is, he is a really pretty he's a, man. He's a he good is. looking guy. He's got yeah. that white the white hair. hair. Yeah. Well, the wig evil. at least. So, yeah. Hmm. But I think the Duke uh, to people in the city, even though he's known as someone that won't put up with anyone's shit, people think he's kind. Yeah. Right. That is true. With the Duchess, too, right? Like they think they're being good leaders Mm -hmm. and doing all the right things, making the good decisions. Well, they think wrong. Talking. Well, they do, but. (laughs) 
Yeah, you know. it um this this chapter like you want to feel bad for the duke but it's almost impossible even after I read about what crucifixion is and how you die like that which we know he actually was given grace and he was stabbed through the chest. He didn't mm-hmm. have to hang there True. alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe he did yeah. for like an hour, maybe Hawk let him hang there for a bit, but he does Wait. not have to s- lay there for or hang there for 6 hours to six days right so um because unfortunately if he had been let down he could have survived yes yeah, yeah. which yeah so uh, he wouldn't have been able to leave him alive because he would have called for help right exactly right. yeah well <laughs> that was a <laughs> end on that note. <laughs> <Tough> ending. <laughs> i know i wanted to talk about the crucifixion earlier because i didn't want to end on that but that's what happens at the end of the I chapter was say, i mean yeah uh, it just is what it is and <laughs> listeners we want to know is hawk a psychopath or a sociopath or just a or guy vigilante. down on his luck he's you know, well he's not a guy down on his luck but he's i don't know he's had either. some bad luck the last yeah. like well, 75 years that's true but now that he's met poppy that's all about to change is it? <laughs> no, shit. it is. Cause, well, yeah, but he's I mean, got her now. But they go through it together. They, yeah, he's got. He's not alone. She anymore. visits him in his dreams when he's chained to the floor. Later, that's true. Oh, oh. they get to do it in the. They fuck in the cavern, which is amazing, <laughs> but a little bit dirty. Yeah, and not in a good way. So <laughs> no, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when they oh, go yeah, in there. Okay, that is in the dreamwalking. Yeah, that's not. Definitely. I'm talking about before the dreamwalking. Oh, in, in Crown Two. Oh, a kingdom of flesh and fire. Yeah. Mm. When she says, and Hawk fucked. <laughs> Best <laughs> line ever. So what about your nerdiest things of the week? <laughs> <laughs> Who wants to go first? I'll go first. <laughs> I think I can talk right now. <laughs> because I don't, I didn't really have a super nerdy week. Um, but one of you, my. You say that every week. You I liar. know. I know. But no, I really didn't do anything nerdy but i did get an email from one of my favorite shops called probably smut and they've got a whole new line of merch that's about all our favorite tropes so like there's t-shirts and stickers that say like grumpy sunshine and faded mates and it's got cute little artwork that goes along with it um and there's sort of a whole like dark romance pack and then there's like a more i guess uplifting tropes i don't know i don't like more romantic and more yeah yeah and uh, but they're really cute and there's they've got some really cute stuff and i'm such a sucker for stickers which by the way deb brought me the cutest little alice in wonderland sticker um because alice is my fave um so i'm really excited to put that on my kindle but i don't know i collect all these stickers from these places i don't really know what to do with them i did i did use a couple on a, a scrapbook page a nerdy book scrapbook page i so. have a um because i got like this huge sticker pack of friends stuff from my daughter one year and i have this huge like work table in my studio I I with my laser on it oh did you i think I did. they're all on my work table which <laughs> i really awesome. love yeah I can go. Um, so this week, a up-and-coming author, Amber Page, sent us an ARC box. Yay. And I nerded out so much of it. You can watch the reel. It was posted on uh, April 27th. And she did this really cool letter to us as the podcast. And then you go in and there's a letter from the character to another main character and like a key to their library and all this lavender. She put like a candle in there and it was the most beautiful arc box and so 
well thought out that like it almost made me cry because I just Mm -hmm. like her heart and soul has gone into this and you can tell she wants to make it really special for her ARC readers and that's not something you're seeing as much anymore because e-reading is free right right you don't have to ship that and you don't have to print have the book printed and all that stuff and so you're seeing less and less of that and I loved that she did that for her readers that's really that was awesome it's amazing yeah so by the time this comes out I'll probably have read the book so check out be sure to look at our page for Symbol of Hope for the review. Yay. Thank you, Amber Page. <laughs> You're welcome. Yay. Yay. Um, I have a couple. So first of all, this was just cute with my nine-year-old. We were listening to Taylor Ash. Um, we listened to The Wolf in the Wood and then to Callan May. And he was just so into it and was like, oh, I like this song. And how does she play all of these instruments? And I can't believe you got to talk to her. And oh, that's so it was cool. really cool. And and he knew that they were from books. So when Callan May was playing, he was like, so what's happening? Like, what is this? And so I was trying Cameron's to explain about it. about to fuck. Well, I didn't, I didn't tell him that. But I was like she hears these drums and she sees these bonfires and she's you know she's going out to the fire and then these weird creatures try to take her into the woods whatever and um so he was really into it and it was just really really that sweet it's totally like a really cool middle school boy book if you think about it like well this yeah, wolf comes be, and she yeah. kills it and then they abduct her for killing it and right. she's got a you know it's if you pick of, and choose the right parts right, right. right. Yeah, yeah. yeah so i'm like you know she they told her to stay in the house but she didn't and so the part where the music gets like really intense and it's supposed to be the um what is it the picks that were taking her trying to oh, take yeah, her right, yeah, yeah um he was like well, that's why you should just listen to what your parents tell you to do. <laughs> well, in his I defense, remember that kid. Tamlin <laughs> does treat her like a child. Well, so, that's true, you know, but they, a petulant he, child. they clearly told her to stay in the house. <laughs> but I, it just made me laugh. But the other nerdy thing, um, the extra nerdy thing, I made some, <laughs> I made some graphics for my colis theory that we talked about a few episodes back. I think about um, how I said that I think that the the a pretty poppy picket watch it bleed that poppy hears in her dreams is colas so i just made a couple of um graphics to pull some quotes from war of two queens to kind of like explain why i thought that so. also posted on our instagram yes. our nerdiest thing on 427 yep so go check it out let me know what you think about that I'm and if sure you think i'm wrong if, and if you think she's wrong just keep it to yourself i'm just <laughs> um, someone already but, told or at you least be wrong, nice though. about it yeah but you know but Whitney That's is it. still going to tell you you're incorrect. Yes. <laughs> and here's the thing. You're really sweet about it. You're not going to tell them they're wrong. You're going to go, well, that's incorrect. No, I'm not probably not even going to say that. I'm going to say, well. But no. to yourself, you're going to say, that's incorrect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I think that's it for this episode. Yeah. Um, next time, we're going to talk about chapters 26 and 27, The Attack. Ooh. Ooh. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye, bye Victor. <laughs> bye, bye, Victor. <laughs> Too soon. (laughs) That was a bitch move.